You know, sometimes people ask me, hey, Matt, I want to work for a startup. Which type of startup should I work for? And they're asking to know, like, which startups do I think are going to be the biggest, right? The ones that end up like Google and Facebook. When I actually don't think this is how potential startup employees should be looking at where they work. Yes, they want to join a company that's up to the right, that's growing really quickly. But one thing I think that is kind of overlooked many times is the culture fit. And how are you able to determine if there might be a culture fit or team fit before you even join the team? Well, I found something that actually enables you to do this, and it's called JobServe. JobServe gives you the edge that you need to understand your personal work style and how that affects the job you do and those you work with. Ultimately, you fill out their assessment, then you're able to see, oh, this is my work style and I gel with these types of people or this type of team, and this is the type of team that I may not gel with. For example, I took the assessment, and there's a few things that I learned. One. My temperament is I'm a driver. My primary tendency is to take control of situations. I prefer more of an independent approach with an emphasis on persistence, pragmatism, and a strong will. What's my leadership tendency? It's relationship-based. I prefer to focus more on relationships in order to support and motivate others, whether the individuals report to me or not. These are things that I've learned where if I ever in the future wanted to work for a startup, I would keep these in mind. Would I want to work for a startup that doesn't like drivers, doesn't want independent-minded thinkers? Well, if that's the case i wouldn't work there right and i now know that because i've taken this quiz so for you if you are thinking of breaking into startups you want to understand what startup would be a good fit for you i highly encourage you to go to jobserve.com that's j-o-b-s-u-r-v.com take the assessment and learn more about yourself so you understand what team would be the best fit for you and how about this after you take the assessment email me matt at mattsherman.com let me know what your results are and i bring a couple of you onto the podcast to chat with me about your results and what that means and what types of startups might be a good fit so if you are interested in understanding yourself better and more importantly understanding what type of startup is the best fit for you on a cultural level on a team fit level, go to jobsurv.com, take the assessment, and email me at matt at mattsherman.com, and maybe I'll pick a couple of you to come on the podcast and chat about your results. And note, if you're an employer, this is for you too. You can use JobServe ultimately to make sure the people that you hire are aligned with you culturally and a team fit. That is jobsurv.com. Check it out. Email me once you fill out the assessment, and maybe I'll have you on the podcast. Now let's get into today's episode. What is going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I am very grateful to have your attention, at least for the next 15 minutes of this episode. Forward Thinking Founders is a podcast where I interview pre-seed and seed stage founders about their products, what they want to build into the world, and why. We dive into how they spend their time, what's their vision, what's the origin stories, all these things, so you can learn all about what's coming tomorrow. Because these companies haven't hit critical skill yet. Most of them haven't hit product market fit. These are just early stage companies, and the big question is, what can this be? And in this podcast, we bring that out. So with that, I really hope you enjoy your time listening to today's episode. And I've already done 200 plus, so if you like this one, listen to some of the other ones, like with Imadi Kuhn, Austin Allred, Leah Culver. We have great interviews, so check it out. Enjoy the repository, and for now, let's get into today's episode. Here we go. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. 
Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Chris Buttonham, who is the co-founder of Obi. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Thanks so much, Matt. It's going well. Cool. Glad to hear it. Well, I'm looking forward to learning more about what you're working on. For people that don't know what Obi is or haven't heard of it, can you please share what you're working on? For sure. Yeah. Obi is a faster way to find knowledge and documentation at work. Uh, Obi also helps teams and organizations actually capture their collective knowledge into one single source of truth uh, for company information. So our core product um, is actually interfaced through Slack mostly. So that's where a lot of questions come up. That's where a lot of knowledge is uh, being transferred. And so we built uh, our, our product very much Slack first. And then recently we, we released our browser extension uh, which makes your company knowledge uh, even more accessible across, uh, you know, different workflows that um, you might be inhabiting at work. So really popular for sales and support teams who spend their time in service desks or in CRMs or in email. So if I was working on a team that wanted to like implement this, can you kind of describe a little bit of like the user experiences, what the product kind of, what, what it feels like using it and some of the features that you have? Yeah, for sure. So uh, just to take a quick step back, sort of our thesis around this problem is a lot of companies and teams already have a ton of knowledge and documents already. And so instead of us telling the customer or the partner uh, that we want them to recreate information in our platform, we do have you know, a knowledge base feature, but more, more, more so we integrate with existing knowledge. So uh, a company that would want to adopt OB would come to us, they would first um, integrate the tools that they already have. So let's say a company uses Confluence and Google Drive for company documentation. Within seconds, they can get that knowledge uh, ingested into OB. And we're actually not storing a second copy of that information. So the information isn't redundant. You're also not um, uh, worried about privacy or security on our end, um, you hold the keys to all of that information. Obi just makes it more accessible. Once you've connected that information, um, presuming your team is on something like Slack, you would install the Obi Slack bot, and then Obi um, is ready to answer questions or perform searches on any user's behalf within that Slack workspaces. And he's going to surface answers or relevant articles and documents from the connected knowledge and any knowledge that you've authored directly to Obi into Slack or, of course, into the browser extension if you've also installed that from a user level. I'd love to hear why you got started with Obi. What's the origin story for, for why you got started? Yeah, so we got started with this. Um, me and my co-founder, when we joined a company that we were working at previously, we had a really bad onboarding experience. Uh, we, we sort of were thrown the old school company handbook and, you know, a bunch of knowledge in, in each other's heads type of workflow of trying to get things done. And we actually left that company to build a, no, a general knowledge tool, like just another knowledge-based tool, and quickly realized that there are a ton of those out there already. And although ours was shiny, shinier, better, faster, um, the real problem was the switching costs. So when we'd present this to um, different organizations, they'd say, this is great, but can you integrate with this? Or can you take my information from this tool that I'm sick of, or I can't, this tool's fine, we like the privacy and security of it, but it's really difficult to access the information within it. So this is actually um, around the time, 
2016-ish when Slack was becoming very popular and they had create, started creating their ecosystem and their app directory. And so we actually saw some green space bringing existing knowledge and making it more accessible in the new work OS at the time, or at least that's, that was the bet we were making and it's certainly paying off today. Um, so that's sort of the origin story and the problem that we fell in love with. How do you kind of evaluate the market then? I feel like sometimes markets are super simple to evaluate. Sometimes they're not and you got to take a bet, right? Yeah. What did you see? If you can go take us back to kind of that, that point in time when Slack's development, what made you feel like that this was going to be a thing and this was a bet worth taking um, versus not taking that bet and potentially like have this company not existing? It's a good question. Honestly, I think it was, it was shit luck. <laughs> you know, um, we made a bet. We'd made some bets in the past that didn't pan out. Um, it, you know, for us, it was actually looking at it more, less of an interface. And I think we are relying heavily on it as an interface today. We see it as a really cool way to deliver knowledge and, and make company information more accessible. But at the time, it was so new and we could just feel we're actually um, a company from Canada. Uh, half of us are in the Bay area now, but um, at the time, even being far away from Silicon Valley, we could feel the power that Slack was, was having and just like the rapid growth they were having in between 2015 and 2016. And we saw it as a distribution channel more than anything. We saw so much green space. There really were not a lot of partners not a lot of apps being built on it. And we had already been focusing on this knowledge problem. And we thought, wouldn't it be cool if we were the first knowledge app on Slack? And so, um, yeah, that was more of the bet we were making rather than seeing Slack as a, as a market in and itself. That sort of is starting to, to root its head now, though. How do you get the word out about this? And I think on, on top of that, I'm sure you have to run into the problem where you, you say that you're X, but people are like, oh, so you're Y, just like all the, you know, I, I'm sure you deal with that, just like a lot of us deal with that. Oh, yeah. How do you kind of like educate, like kind of steer people in the direction and that your product does versus them assuming that it does Y when it really does X? Yeah, another great question. I think it's like been the blessing and the curse for us. Um, so how we got the word out was my answer to my last question. Like we were so early in slack and really went deep on slack instead of going wide and again blessing and a curse in that slack still drives 80 percent of our our best warm leads um all free organic inbound which is great um challenge there is there's not a lot of control over that channel um and then like you said you are stuck on positioning so that's something you know we revisit every six months is just positioning it's like all of these prospects came in or even clients that have, have, you know, subscribed to Obi will have this different expectation of what the tool is because of the way the landscape is, is, um, is laid out and all the other players in the market. And that's of course ever changing. Um, so Slack again, blessing and a curse there where we're positioned as a Slack for a solution. Um, what if I use the Microsoft ecosystem? What if I'm, you know, don't have any of those tools. So um, we just have to reevaluate it. And we've just iterated, like I said, on a six month basis for the last like four years on positioning. And it's, it's just a, uh, an ongoing exercise. And since you started the, the this company, 
you know, there's been some luck, of course, and then I'm sure some skill in business operating, and um, I'm sure lessons learned along the way, um, and things that you've learned. Can you kind of share, since you started this, what happened, some lessons that you learned, whether from good times or bad times, like, what have you learned since the journey started? Um, I guess a couple things that come to, there's so much, uh, I think we've been at it longer than most or or we're maybe we're just more honest <laughs> than than most um you know when we started working on this problem it was like five or six years ago of course there's been different products and different iterations throughout but um you know some of the things we were super lean we still are lean um we're a relatively small team we've raised a relatively small amount of money um we didn't raise really any up until about a year ago um and that forces you to do things. It forces you to focus. It forces you to, to build a business model earlier. It focuses, particularly when you're in an ecosystem that exists like Slack and you ha you're looking at the other partners, the other apps, the other vendors in the game, and they're doing a bottoms up freemium play. And you're like, well, I can't afford to do that. I can't afford to support tens of thousands of free users for, um, for months, let alone years. Um, so definitely like, remaining lean is a huge lesson that we learned um don't get caught up in the the vc hamster wheel if you will um and and then i guess just to double down on that point similarly is focus there's especially with a lean team you have to pick a lane and uh you know we're still not on microsoft teams and that's deliberate you know, there's a market there and there's, there's users there and there's other vendors there that, um, but the, the lack of focus um, would, would have killed us by now. And, 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 you know, we've been guilty of that too. We've made these little micro experiments that haven't paid off. And it's like, have we, how do we have just focused on the core business, the core value that our customers are telling us they're getting out of the product, then we would have, you know, saved ourselves a month, two months, three months. Um, so focus, and remain lean remain super lean find that business model that pricing model early and as you kind of go go out with the company and you know time goes on five ten years pass and it gets very very big um or as big as you want it to get kind of what does that look like or i guess in other words what's the uh, what's the big vision for it and kind of what direction are you rowing in our vision is to be the most intelligent solution for learning anything at work. And so what that means to us and, and the way we see this, look, and knowledge management, it's a really unsexy word, but it's a problem that every organization faces and it's a massive problem. And there's a bunch of different verticals within it. There's different, there's different places for different vendors. We want to be the de facto solution for knowledge management. And the way we think we're going to be able to do that with a you know relatively humble beginning smaller team uh relatively lower capitalized company uh, the way we think we're going to do that is by tackling the problem completely differently than anyone's ever tackled it and so the way we look at that is how do we continuously take our unique technology that allows us to integrate with knowledge wherever it lives, which is forever changing within organizations, your, your task management tools, your, your document repositories, your knowledge base tools, your wikis, how do we bring that into one single source of truth and deliver that knowledge and deliver those answers to where people already are. 
So even tools that integrate with your existing knowledge, your existing documents, they're just telling you to go to yet another tool to find the information that you could have got in the native tool. Well, we're sort of this intelligence layer, this engagement layer that delivers this information in an existing habit, which scales much, much more beautifully than telling people either document your thing in this new tool or no, we'll integrate with it, but then you have to go to this tool to get, get to it. We want to bring it to where you are. And that's interesting, particularly um, as the, you know, the future of work unfolds, where are people going to be? Where is the work OS? Is it going to be, is it going to be Slack? You know, is, is doubling down on that um, going to be our, you know, um, our winner or is it going to be partially in the browser? Is it going to be, you know, so we want to bring that knowledge. We want to be unbiased to where that knowledge lives and where people are going to spend their time and, and inevitably where those answers need to, need to surface. And then to, to make that happen, to make the right decisions and to keep on the path, like you'll need some help. Like you'll need employees. You might want more investors or maybe not, you know, it, what, depending on what you need there. You'll need, you know, customers and whatnot. But what I will say is you'll need help from the forward-thinking founders community 100%. So for my last question for you is how can the forward-thinking founders community help? Are you hiring, looking for investors, looking for customers, partnerships? How can the community assist? Sure, yeah. So we, uh, as I sort of teased in the beginning, we just recently launched our browser extension. And with the browser extension, um, which was just sort of a natural extension to our team product, we launched OB for personal use. So we saw the browser extension is a more um, agnostic and um, sort of use case uh, wide um, uh, application of our technology. And so with OB for personal use, we uh, released that for free. And so um, it's super early on and I actually mean this when I say it, we're desperately looking for feedback on it. It's super green. Um, you can just go to ob.ai slash personal. You can install the, the browser extension on Chrome and, and try it out. There's a lot of value to be had there, but in terms of an ask that I would have is just green feedback. We'd love, we'd love as many eyeballs on that as possible. And um, you can help us shape a product that you'll know to love um, in, in your, you know, um, uh, workflow for, for accelerating work. So I'd love feedback on the, the OB browser extension. And just as a reminder, if someone wanted to try it out or, you know, find you online, find you on social media, email you, get in touch, how can, how can people find you in all the ways online? Yeah. Uh, so I have a, I, I have a website, which just sort of acts as a, uh, link to all of these these places just chrisbuttonham.com um you can catch me on linkedin that's pretty much the main social channel i'm on i'm on the rest of them um as a figurehead but i don't i don't i don't engage on much so you won't get much from me there and then of course just go to ob.ai slash personal and uh and you can learn more about ob there all right thank you so much for coming on to the podcast thanks so much for having me man 
All right. Thank you so much for listening to the episode of Forward Thinking Founders. If you're sitting there, you're just saying, Matt, I want more. How can I get more? Well, luckily, you can get it at Forward Thinking City. Forward Thinking City is a community for the Forward Thinking Network, right? And we have multiple different aspects of the city. One, we have AMAs. Some of the previous guests that have been on the podcast, like Jonathan Barkle, Kristen Anderson, Austin Allred, come back and they do AMAs with the residents. You can ask them any question that you want, right? You can ask them about fundraising the early days, how they got their customers. We do these every single week with another, you know, really great founder that has been on the podcast. Additionally, um, we have our pitch battles, right? So if you want feedback on your pitch and the opportunity to potentially pitch in front of VCs and talk one-on-one with venture capitalists, this is where to do it. These are monthly pitch battles. So if you don't get in the first time, try again, right? The goal is to improve and get feedback to eventually one, raise, uh, get, get into the room with the VCs, two, raise capital, three, so you can get back to your company and building a great startup, building a great business. The last thing I'll mention is that if you were kind of interested in just community, we have our coffee hours and happy hours where you can meet other residents, learn about what they're working on, talk about social things, anything you want. This is a city for founders. It is for investors. It is for startup enthusiasts. It's for anyone that loves startups. So if you're interested in what I'm saying, Go to forwardthinking.city and join the city for $15 a month. Um, you know, the way, the reason I charge is because I want to be able to do this full time and bring as much value as I possibly can. And I think it's well worth the value. You can ask any of the current residents and they will attest to that. So go to forwardthinking.city, join the city, and you'll see immediately the, the next AMA, the next pitch battle, the next event. And I hope to see you there. Forwardthinking.city. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.